UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. I hit my brand too. I have I have a logo that comes up at the beginning. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have another excellent guest with me back or today. Um, now, today we're going to be going a little bit off with the, the regular topics are. like Remember, I cover everything on this show. And one of the, the things that I want to do is I want to help you with your health. I think it's so important that we live healthy lives. And in this world today that we're, you know, with, where our water is not what we think it is, where our food is not what we think it is, it's good to know about herbs homeopathy, uh, essential oils, um, and, and plants and what they can do for us and how they can benefit us and how we can supplement with them in our everyday lives. And who I have with me is Sarah Hanna. She's a master herbalist, classical homeopath and author. She is also a columnist, keynote speaker, adult education teacher, and community advocate. She makes frequent appearances teaching people how they can safely integrate alternative medicine with conventional medicine. Sarah Hanna also guest lectures at medical schools to help doctors learn how to incorporate herbal medicine into their practices, which is difficult because botanical medicine has not been in and part of our regu their regular curriculum. And her book is called Moodtopia, that's M-O-O-D-T-O-P-I-A, and the website is moodtopiabook.com, and, and her website is sarahana.com, that's Sarah, S-A-R-A-C-H-A-N-A.com, and again, the book's called Moodtopia, and I want to give her a big warm welcome to the show. Sarah, thank you for joining me. How are you? Thank you, Rob. I'm so honored to be on your your show. Thank you. Yeah. Now, a, a, a little background info. Like, how did you get into working with herbs and homeopathy? And and, and first of all, like, what all do you do you do you talk about? Do you talk about herbs, plants, and essential oils? So it began quite a while ago. I was I was invited through Yale University to do a summer program at Oxford University. And I struggled with seasonal allergies. You know, summer would come, spring would come, beautiful, gorgeous, and my eyes would itch and my throat would itch. And I really like kind of struggled with it. So when I got over to Oxford, England, I had one of my allergy attacks and I didn't bring my medicine with me because I was always trying not to use allergy medicine. And I ran into the local health food store and I was like, okay, gosh, I'm here. I'm a student. I don't know what to do. Like someone give me something. And they gave me an herbal tincture. And within an hour, my eyes stopped itching. And I did have to repeat the herbal tincture. It's not that it took it away from my DNA genetics right away. 
And I was fascinated. I was fascinated. So I spent most of my time at Oxford University in the library studying botanical medicine because I was like, you know, I was a girl. I'm from Los Angeles, Hollywood, California. I was a childhood actress. I did movies and television growing up. Um, and you'd go to the doctor and the doctor would give you allergy shots and he'd give you antihistamines. And there was no discussion of anything else. And if I was about to do a TV show and my eyes were tearing, yes, for sure, Benadryl or Sudafed would help. But it wasn't helping me in a deep way. And when I started using botanical plant-based medicine, I got so much better. I didn't have the side effects of a dry mouth. And and Rob, I was like, there's something to this. So I, I'm, I'm a little OCD about learning things properly. You know, I did not go to a weekend course. I ended up doing a five-year program in classical homeopathy. Then I went back to school again. This is all after I had my bachelor's and all my other work um, in universities. And then I went on and did a three-year herbal apprentice program. Um, then I also went back to school and I became an international board certified lactation consultant, which is not our topic today. And then I studied midwifery. So I ended up opening a woman's clinic where my primary clients at first were postpartum women. And I would treat them naturally. I mean, if they had an infection, I would always say, go to your doctor, get an antibiotic, but let's try some botanical medicine. And my practice, Rob, just grew and grew and grew. So when you work with an herbalist, we take it very seriously. I take an hour and a half history. I ask hundreds of questions. I want to know about their sleeping, their eating, um, what their choice of exercise is, or maybe they're not exercising, what their history is, what their birth was like. So when you work with an herbalist, like we really know the person, Rob, this is not like seeing an MD where they unfortunately have six minutes to see you analyze, diagnose, write a prescription. We take an hour and a half and sometimes, Rob, I'll even see a person two or three times before I really get a handle on what their strengths and weaknesses are in their bodies. And then we come up with botanical solutions to help them function better in the world. Now, that's, a, that's amazing stuff. Now, what would you say that most people are coming to you for now in this in this time? Like, where do you find the most benefit in, 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 in herbs and homeopathy? Well, that's a hard question because everybody comes in usually with one complaint, like I have sinus infections. And the next thing I know, they're telling me they're constipated. And then the next thing I know, they're telling me that they struggle with anxiety, right? And the next person's coming in with chronic urinary tract infections, and then they also have eczema, and then they have chronic headaches. So when someone takes an hour and a half with you, Rob, and you get comfortable in that space, you can really talk about your whole being. And, you know, it, it's very interesting because I'll give you this, this example, especially since this is a show that likes to go beyond the physical. So I'm a young girl and I'm sitting in a homeopathic class and this European MD says, why are we studying homeopathy? Why? Like, why are you here? And he says, I'm going to tell you why you're here. He said, because the maker, whoever that is, drops a soul in the body. And the body is just a vessel to carry that soul to do what it needs to in the world. And if the body becomes ill, 
it prevents the soul from doing what it needs to in this world. Like if you've got an upset stomach, you're not going to go help a neighbor that just had a baby. And if you have a backache, you're not going to help the elderly person down the street carry things to their house. So he taught us our goal was to keep people healthy, not to have perfect skin so you could go on Instagram. Not that you can be, you know, super skinny for your bathing suit, that you had the vitality and the strength that you needed to do whatever it is that you want to do, whether it's being a policeman or a fireman or being an artist or being a surgeon. So that whole outlook of homeopathy is very, very different. Like, we are predetermined with our genetics and our DNA, Rob. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm only five feet tall. I can take tons of herbs and supplements. I'm never going to be, you know, that five foot eight tall skinny model. Just not going to happen. So we as herbalists look at, we take the history, Rob, of your mother, your father, your grandmother, your grandfather, as far back as we can go. We ask about first cousins. We really want to get a picture of your genetics, what area of illness does it go to and what area of strength is available? And then we work with what you're given to make you become the best person that you can be. That's so interesting. Have you ever seen certain things with certain bloodlines? Like, you know, that's a big thing in like the esoteric community is like the people say like RH negative blood or O negative blood. And that that's linked to some kind of um, off world uh, entities or something like that. But like, do you see markers in the, in the bloodlines? Like, do you see like that certain bloodlines suffer, suffer from certain conditions? Oh, I mean, you're talking to the blood type lady. It's one of the foundations. Blood type A's are different than blood type O's. Blood type O's are different than B's. B's are different than AB's. O's get different diseases and different struggles physically and emotionally than A's. So understanding the person's blood type is the foundation of where I, as a practitioner, not all herbalists, but I as a practitioner. And then I want to see, going back to what I said earlier, the DNA genetics of where the constitution. So in homeopathy, there's something called a miasm. A miasm is what you inherited and brought into this world that's going to be either your struggle or the benefit um, that in your life. So we look at miasms, blood types, DNA genetics. Yeah, Rob, we, we, we look at it all. That's so interesting. Um, now, I wanted to ask you about this. Like in today's day and age where it's so simple for someone to be prescribed something like anything, you know, it's like people go to the doctor and that's the first thing the doctor does is prescribe them something for, you know, any ailment that they have. Um, how easy is it for us to transition into something herbal or, you know, a tincture as compared to taking something prescribed? So let's take a moment and discuss what a tincture is, and then we'll answer that question. So a tincture is when you take a plant. Um, here we go. I've got some plants. We've got some plants here. This is a powdered plant. This is the plant in its whole. And what we do is we take the plant and sometimes we'll just take the root of the plant. Sometimes we'll just take the seeds of the plant. Sometimes we'll take the leaves, sometimes the flowers, sometimes the bark, sometimes the twigs, whatever we are trying to cure. And sometimes we'll use all the components of the plant. Then we put it into a glass jar and we put grain alcohol over it. We let it sit for six to eight weeks. 
And then we strain it and we have what is called a tincture. Here's a tincture. It's this liquid that has a 10 year shelf life. Like pharmaceutical companies do not want to know that we have something that has a 10 year shelf life. You just think about it this way. You have an herbalist like me. Let's say I'm the village herbalist. Like if all the plants I needed grew in the spring, I mean, I would be a fanatic crazy woman going out there. And what would I do? I wouldn't be able to get all the medicine. So some medicines grow in the spring, some in the winter, some in the summer and some in the fall. But once I make this medicine, I have it for a 10 year shelf life. So we believe that plants have energy and plants have to adapt to the environment like we do. And NASA, who puts spaceships into the sky, something your audience and you love, they found like they were at first this amazing study because they were like, how do we keep this little this little cylinder that's going to fly through the universe? How do we keep the air clean? I mean, let's be honest, Rob, people are like expelling gas and burping and sneezing and they don't do this. But what their study found that was when you have live growing plants inside the capsule the environment stays cleaner than anything else because the plants need to stay healthy they have their own survival mechanisms so it's very interesting because they'll shoot out different essential oils that keep away different bugs so we know that if we take these essential oils and spray them on our bodies when we go hiking our bugs will not be attracted to us let them go bite someone else i mean everyone should be wearing spray right so going back to your question, yes, it's very easy to prescribe a medicine. And unfortunately, our doctor's hands are tied. They have a very short time. I had a woman that came and um, shadowed me. She was an MD and she was working in an acute care. And she said she was getting doctor pay because she spent about 15 minutes with each patient. They wanted her to spend seven to eight minutes. And she said, I can't do it. Like we spoke in the beginning, how can I diagnose, understand the person's condition, write a prescription? She didn't feel she could do it. So when she came here, she was like, Sarhana, like an hour and a half later, you know so much. And I said, because I'm treating a person, not a condition. Yes, that's that's amazing. And, and, and what, when I when I listened to your interview with Coast to Coast, getting ready for this, um, you talked about a situation where uh, a woman was taking psych psychotropic meds, which is also very common today. And you were able to give her something different to, um, and, you know, I'll just tell everybody, we're, you know, like we're not the FDA or anything, but this is just alternative methods of thinking. So, you know, always yeah. do your own research, but like, you know, cause, but like you, this person was able to get off the psychotropic meds and take the herbals instead, right? Is that true? So again, legally, we have all our legal disclaimers. So I never suggest that a person goes off of psychotropic drugs unless we're working in collaboration with their doctors because going off medications can be dangerous. But in many, many cases, what a lot of people find is the psychotropic drugs take two to three weeks just to get into the system. Then they can peak and help for maybe a couple months. And a lot of times it's phenomenal because it'll get you through whatever crisis you're going through. But it doesn't necessarily help solve the problems. 
So that's one of the reasons I wrote my book, Mootopia. Mootopia speaks about plant medicine that has been used for generations, literally generations, for sadness, frustration, anger. If they're not new emotions, it's not like, hey, you know, wow, this is a new discovery. It's like been around forever. So I want to share with you a great story. So I had a woman that came into me. She had been on psychotropic drugs um, since her teen years, and she was already married with two kids. And they kind of stopped working. I mean, she wasn't ready to get off of them, but she just wanted to know some other outlook. So I gave her a homeopathic remedy, which are little ballies that you put under your tongue. It's a little bit different than herbal medicine. We can discuss it. And the next day she started crying, Rob, and crying and crying and crying and crying. And she called me up and goes, I hate you, Sarahana. I've never cried this much. I don't know what's happening to me. A couple hours later, she calls me and said, I have to have my husband come home from work. Like, I can't even take care of my children. So I felt really bad, Rob. I was young and dumb and just finished homeopathic school. And six weeks later, I see she's in my book, my book for a follow-up. And I'm like, panicking like oh my gosh why is she coming back to me I made her cry so she sits down on the couch and she says I want to tell you what happened in these last six weeks I'm like okay right biting my nails nervous she said two days after my crying episode I went in and I I, I quit my job I had worked at the same job for 10 years and my boss never understood that sometimes I had events for my kids at school Sometimes if a kid was sick, I was going to come into work late. He had no sympathy for me. He begged me not to quit. And I gave him a list of 10 things I needed. And he agreed to it. She said about two weeks later, I took my two kids out of the private school they were in because I hated that private school. My in-laws wanted them into it. I knew they weren't thriving. And she said, and then I went into mine and my husband's savings account and I put money on a new apartment. She said, because when I moved in with him, it was a bachelor pad. He had this bachelor pad. And then the next thing we knew, we had two kids and it was not set up, you know, for that. And she said, how did I do that, Sarahana? How did I do that? And I said, because when you use herbs or homeopathy, your body will get the signals that it can get better because our bodies want to get better. Our minds want to get better. And if she was living in that teeny tiny apartment, her kids were in the wrong school. She was working for a nasty boss. There was no way she was going to get better. So that's one of those kind of miracle stories because now she could begin to heal. So do psychotropic meds do that? Maybe, but I've seen it much more with homeopathy and herbs. That's amazing because that gives a lot of hope for people who might be on like medications, but they might be thinking like, wait, is this really something that I want to do? Like maybe this is a, maybe it's, it's something for someone to think, maybe this is a different option. Maybe this is a different route I can go down, something healthier for me that can, that can make, make me have a little bit more vitality, correct? Yeah, and I love that word vitality. Vitality is is the perfect word for herbs. So clinical studies show that when you hand someone flowers, no matter what their socioeconomic class is, no matter what gender they are, no matter what age they are, they smile. 
they smile. And it's amazing because clinical studies also show with our geriatric patients that when they bring plants into their homes, they tend to have less depression and sadness. And yes, they have to water the plants and make sure they have sunlight. And what we see is that when we include plants in our lives, we get healthier. And so imagine ingesting them. I mean, we all know it's good to eat a salad. Like go out there, eat romaine lettuce, eat iceberg lettuce. I love the vitamin K and iceberg lettuce. Go eat a cucumber, right? We all know that. That's what modern medicine is telling us, like eat our plants. So for me, I understand that when you're planting a garden, right? And you've got your cucumbers over here and you've got your peppers over here in between is going to grow some dandelion, which most farmers say is a pest. Pick it out, throw it away. And I know dandelion is there to help the person digest the vegetables that they're eating. Dandelion can help with inflammation. Dandelion actually helps increase stomach acid. We use the dandelion root for stones like gallbladder stones and bladder stones. We use the leaves for inflammation. We use the seeds for any kind of skin irritations. So the dandelion, the weed that's going in between is what I'm going to pick as an herbalist. That's amazing. And I, I wanted to get into some of these with you. I, I have a whole list of that. I, I listen when I listen to your coast to coast show, I picked some stuff out that I thought was really interesting. Something that I think our my viewers will find interesting is mugwort. Now, I heard you mention this more than a couple times in the coast to coast interview. I heard this is very beneficial for the third eye and the dreams. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So mugwort is considered a magical plant. And I have to tell all your listeners that I'm kind of just like, I'm not as spiritual as I want to be. You know, there are herbalists that are witches and herbalists. So I'm kind of like the boring um, medical herbalist. But with mugwort, it kind of changed me a bit. Mugwort is an herb that grows wild everywhere. In every state, it just grows everywhere. It doesn't need a lot of sunlight. It just grows. And mugwort helps with digestion. It can help regulate a woman's cycles. And they say, if you're in that situation, you know, should I stay or should I go now? You know, you're in that like torn position, like what should I do? They say drink mugwort and it'll open up that third eye and let you make a decision. So I have a great story about mugwort. Um, I, I, by the way, I'm a mom of seven kids. I have a girl, five boys, and then another girl. So my house, as you can imagine, was crazy and insane and wild, of course, five boys in a row. And I was going to have a discussion with my son's teacher. I really felt that they needed more recesses. Like they were in the classroom too much. They were kind of getting in trouble all the time. So my whole point was to teach the teacher that they needed more recess. So I went and the front door was under construction of the school. So they had me go around the back to the side of the school, right? So as I get to the door, there's all this mugwort growing, like basically blocking the door. So as an herbalist, I grab my mugwort. I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. So we go upstairs and I speak to the teacher and the teacher says to me, Sarahana, I really intuitively feel like 
the kids need more recess. But the principal's kind of a stickler. He really wants them to learn more. He said, so I'm torn. Do I go against the principal? You know, should I stay or should I go or should I do what I feel? So I put the mugwort on his table and I said, you know, you can drink this in tea. You can dry it and smoke it. You can't smoke mugwort. You can just have it on your table. But I think that if you intuitively feel it, I do too. And it turned out that the teacher kind of broke some rules and had excess recess. And, you know, that's what mugwort will do for you. It'll just help you understand what you know is right. And it can help with more lucid dreams. So they used to put mugwort under your pillow. You can tie mugwort in a in a string and you can keep it up in your bedroom. And mugwort is a really mystical plant. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, what about um, what about white and blue lotus? Or there, there's a bunch of different kinds of lotus, right? And how yeah. how is that beneficial for us? So, lotus is a plant that's used a lot in India, and in that region of the world, Asia. And they say about lotus, what's fascinating is that in the mucky, dirty, polluted waters comes this gorgeous lotus. It grows just randomly in ponds. And what happens is the analogy is that if you're in the, the muck of your life, you you're feel like you're in the lowest part of your life, that there is the ability to have this gorgeous flower bloom. So the lotus, I mean, Buddha is seen with a lotus. Lotus is one of the most revered herbs because it can bring light into darkness. That's very beautiful. That's very yeah. beautiful. Now, does it matter what, like, because I've heard like, of, like of people, different people experiment with blue lotus and what's the difference? Like, you know, I don't use Lotus so much in my practice, so I don't remember the exact differences, but I know that Blue Lotus is more for clarity and White Lotus is more to lift your spirits higher. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's like, a, so it's interesting. like very esoteric, you know? It's a very esoteric herb. I tend to use, you know, they say with herbalist, if you want to heal a person, see what grows around them. So I live in Brooklyn. I'm originally from Los Angeles. And I remember young and dumb, you know, in school learning. And I went over to my teacher. I was like, are you kidding me? See what grows around you. Have you been to Brooklyn? We have cars, concrete, fire escapes, dog poop, like Really? Have you been there? So she handed me this book called The Peterson Guide. And she said, take a walk around the block. So I did. And I was shocked to find in a one block radius, 10 medicinal plants growing through the pollution of Brooklyn. Now, I don't think necessarily I'd make my medicines out of the plants that grow. But I know it's super important to understand what grows around you. So we had a lot of burdock root and burdock root helps with a congested liver. So when you're in a smoggy city, when there's too much pollution, we get what is called liver congestion and boom, there was burdock. The next block was an herb called ginkgo. Ginkgo biloba, very famous, very popular. 
Ginkgo biloba helps with circulation in the body. It helps bring blood flow up to the top of the head, to the tips of the toes, to the ends of the fingers. Now, anybody that's lived in Brooklyn knows it gets cold here. And in the winter, you're a little bit freezing. So why not have some ginkgo that can help with circulation? It also helps with brain fog. I mean, who doesn't have brain fog when you live in a crowded city? And it also helps with anxiety. So growing up and down all the streets of Brooklyn is ginkgo. I mean, boom, here it is for us. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I was wondering, did, did you ever, this is off topic, but did you, did you ever experiment with like a diffuser and like, um, as, like essential oils that you can put in a diffuser? Because I do that. And I, I use like yeah. Palo Santo. I use cinnamon. I use eucalyptus i use all kinds of different stuff in my diffuser and i love it like is that is that related to kind of what you do too yeah sure so back to moodtopia which by the way has been translated into chinese mandarin wow. i'm really proud super exciting so in moodtopia i have a whole chapter on essential oils and using our olfactory system our nasal system to inhale plants is fabulous i mean it can change the energy of the room if you're in an office and you're in a little module and you know it's kind of stuffy in there you can you can in your diffuser your cold diffuser put a little bit of eucalyptus which can help with sinus you can put a little grapefruit which is phenomenal um, to perk you up in the morning um, you can put a little lavender in there or sandalwood to calm you down uh, you can use cinnamon which is a warming herb so yes i love essential oils i want to say that in my training my medical training we do not ingest essential oils there are a lot of pyramid companies where they have people that sell their oils, um, but essential oils should not be ingested. It should be breathed in or put on your skin. Well, Diluted say, on your skin. What about thieves? Do you like thieves oil? Yeah, I like thieves. Um, it's, it's, it's used for viral infections, but I would not take it internally. See, I did. I, 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 okay, like my, I met a girl a couple months ago and she, you know, she turned out to be introduced me to a, a whole bunch of different stuff. And, uh, she, she, I, we got sick, you know, I had the, I had the, I had the big one, you know, the one that was going around that we can't yeah. really talk about on YouTube because they'll take the video down. Well, right. anyway, she gave me, um, thieves oil and she told me to yeah. take it. And I actually, and again, I'm not giving anybody any medical advice. So YouTube don't take this video yeah. down, but like, um, I, I took some thieves oil and it seemed to save me. So I know you say not take it, but like, do you think there's chances where it can help or do you think it's just not good to ingest at all? I think that we're talking about plant-based medicine and I think there's other herbs that are phenomenal would have worked similarly. The problem with essential oils, and I just took a class because even though I'm a teacher, I'm always taking classes. So I have a friend of mine who's a PhD chemist who makes her own essential oils. She's unbelievable. And she said, one drop of lemon essential oil is from 15 lemons. So she said, when would you ever, or how could you ever ingest 15 lemons? So she said, just understanding that no, can explain why it can burn the esophagus and it can make ulcers in the stomach. So thank God, oh Rob, you didn't get that. But during the, the sickness that we're not allowed to discuss 
A lot of clients were calling me because they had really burned their esophagus with things like oregano oil or other oils taken internally. And it, you can really get an ulcer. You can get a hole in your stomach from it. So because we have so many plants and because the essential oils work so beautifully diluted on our skin, or breathed in, we don't need to take it internally. We have other tools like the herb echinacea, which everybody has heard about. Echinacea root, we, we harvested in the fall. A lot of herb makers now also use the flowers and the seeds. It helps phenomenally well. It's an immunomodulator. It helps modulate that immune system. I mean, echinacea, you can take it in tincture. You can take it in tea. I mean, it's just available for us. And I would prefer something like that. That's that's interesting. Now, one two things I wanted to ask you about were um, like Palo Santo and sage. Now, those are two different things, but they, they're, they, they're kind of used similarly. Like, what are your thoughts on those? I have to grab them because I have them right here. Sorry to be off camera for a minute, but, you know, love, 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 love. So I have some sage here. I'm a California girl. And when I go to California, anybody that knows L.A., I drive up Laurel Canyon and there's a little bodega. Well, you don't really call it a bodega in California that where people go and pick their own sage. So this is sage. It's used in many, many communities for um, cleansing the air. So you light sage on fire and they say that it can get rid of bad energy, dispel that negative. I mean, you know, if you want to say ghosts and you know, this yeah. is one of those shows, definitely sage should be one of the tools. And, um, when people move into new apartments, people usually go in and sage the corners and the closets and all around. It's a wonderful herb. Sage tea helps with menopausal struggles. It helps with anxiety um, and it helps with sore throats. It's an astringent, astringent herb. Now, Palo Santo, here I have the little twigs, is another plant. It's wood from a tree. And very often you mix the two of these together and you burn them and it has a lovely scent that also can clear the air. So if you have a family member that has a bacterial or viral infection, you can sage the room, you can sage the bathroom, you can sage the area with either sage or Palo, Palo Santo. Love them. You have them right here. That's amazing. That, I love that. Now, what about um, holy basil? I know you talked about that on Coast to Coast. Like that, that's that. I thought that was really interesting. Now, when you say holy basil, does that mean it's it's different than regular basil? And what should we know it, about that? It's a different plant than our than our common basil. Um, it's very very popular in India and Asia. Um, it it's considered a holy plant, hence the name holy basil. We use it a lot with people that have anxiety and stress. It seems to calm the system down. And I tend to use holy basil in a mix. If I'm making a, a, a blend for people, people are so complicated. I'll give something for stress, for anxiety, for sinus infections. And holy basil is kind of the glue that sticks a lot of blends together. Um, you can make it in a tea. Um, I like it best in tincture because then it's stronger. No, no, but, so what? Which? Which? Okay, let me ask you. what I was going to say about that. So, what's the difference between that and regular basil? Like, they're a different plant. They're a different genus. So it's, a, it's a complete family. different thing. 
Okay. Right. Well, they're yeah. in the same family. But it's a different plant. There's the medicinal basil, and then there's the cooking basil. Okay. Not now, cooking. what's the word? Culinary basil. Thank you. I, I like to get into the esoteric subjects on my show. And one thing that you brought up on Coast, I thought this was awesome, was blue vervain. Now, I've never heard of this. What are the esoteric characteristics of uh, blue vervain? So blue vervain is one of my favorite plants for stress and anxiety. Um, it really helps take the edge off. People that have fears of flying, fears of public speaking will really benefit from blue vervain. Blue vervain was said to use, was used by witches to put good spells on people. We don't even have to say bad spells on people. People used to sew blue vervain into their clothing. Remember before we had washers and dryers, we didn't wash our clothing all that often. And they would put it right in their clothing. They had it over their doorway because they felt that it would dispel evil spirits. So blue vervain has been used for generations to get rid of evil, the Ayanhara, the evil eye. That's another reason to have blue vervain around. That's so cool. Um, one thing that you talked about on Coast, I thought this was so interesting. I don't know if you, if you picked up on this. George told you a story about this guy who did a study on plants. I thought this was so interesting. Um, let me read how I wrote it in my notes. He said that, they, okay, so they put two plants next to each other, and then they had some guy come, and he ripped up the plant, and, and then he left. And then when he came back, they had an EKG hooked up to the other plant, and the other plant kind of recognized that this guy – came in that ripped up the other plant. Did you pick up on that? And like, what yeah. does that tell you? It tells you that these plants are really alive, right? That they're like, they're living organisms. I mean, I think we all know, but they're like, they have like a sentience to them almost. Oh yeah. And the root system, I mean, anybody that's interested can just look up online on the root system. So plants communicate, especially trees and forests. And if there's an in, if there's an infestation of certain bugs, it will literally let plants know in the other part of the forest. So our root system of communication of plants is just un. Believable. And the name of the woman just escaped my head. But there's a woman that wrote the book about eight and about intentions. Um, often a guest on Coast to Coast, it'll come back to me. And she did a lot of clinical studies where they had plants that were dying and they would put, you know, people from all over the world in, in different rooms together and pray for those plants and the plants will come back to life. So we believe that plants have a life force, have an energy force. They work with the sun, the roots, the ground, the environment. And again, we spoke in the very beginning of the conversation, like, well, what's the difference with pharmaceuticals? And again, if someone has a tooth infection, go take an antibiotic. Someone, God forbid, you know, gets hit by a car, like go to the emergency room. When you work with an herbalist that's well-educated, we're not fanatics. That's what I want to let you know. We're not fanatic. We know that allopathic medicine can help. But if you want to really work on your spirit, you want to work on your soul, you want to work on the energy, you want to work on the vibrational energy that's around us, that's where we're going to get different colored plants. Like when I make a mix for my clients, I very often choose plants, I'm trying to get you some examples here, that just have different colors because we know 
the energy, and I'm going to tell you a funny thing. The energy of colors. This is purple. This one's this one's yellow. This one's purple. This one is, you know, a rust color. So the energy of colors really make an impact. So in my book, Moodtopia, I do have a chapter on color. And here's an interesting story. So I don't remember what teams it is. I'm not great up on sports. But this one football team decided to paint the guest team's locker room in pink. They were like pink walls, pink lockers, pink showers, pink towels. And what they're, and I mean, I'm not trying to say anything, but they were trying to, you know, demasculine the guys. And they said that they found that the guys didn't have as much power being around pink. So we know that pink vibrates at a different level, a different energetic level. We see it with our eyes differently than a blue or green. So we know that colors impact us. And we know that the plants that have different colored flowers will impact us in different ways. Oh, you know what? That's so interesting. You said that because there, there was this woman that used to come on coast to coast AM. Her name was Evelyn Paglini. Um, she was like a, she was like a strega witch, which is, you know, like, like an Italian witch. Um, she yeah. passed away, but she, she talked a lot about um, the, 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 the vibration of color. And I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was so interesting. She said, when you have a red car, for example, the, the, the car vibrates at red and it's, it's giving off, it's, it's giving off more of like, um, how do I say this? Like it's, it's seen more because of its vibration, yeah. you know, yeah. whereas like, and, and green actually vibrates at a good color for money. So, and she was giving yeah. all these tips on like how colors vibrate. And I, I never really thought about that. Like they said, yeah. so I guess if you want to stand out anymore, you use a red color. And if you use, do, do you know much about that? Is that, is that, is that, do you yeah. feel the same way about color? Yeah. I have a whole chapter in my book, Moodtopia about color. And I talk about the energy of color and how, how the color impacts us. So, you know, they say like, if you're going to a court case, you wear like very kind of bland clothes at first, very low tone, low energetic to like give the judge the information. And each time you get called back into court, you wore a more vibrant color and then a more vibrant color to bring your strength of your case back with you. How fascinating is that? So we know that that colors do emit energy. We know that certain colors are more healing. We know that colors are more irritating. And so when we have plants, we know that that's true also purple flowered plants have a different energy than yellow flowered plants and different than pink plants that, that have pink flowers. So yes, I know that color radiates and gives off an energy. And then um, can you talk about the soul growth with plants? The say that again, I'm sorry, the soul, the growth? soul growth with plants, like, like the soul part of a plant or like our soul growth with like dealing with plants. Oh, our soul growth. Okay, good. I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I was inside a plant and knew what its soul was. So, mm -hmm. you know, it depends on what you're looking for with your herbalist. If you're looking for more compassion, then you're going to take a different herb than if you want more strength. So our ginsengs give strength to the body. Ginseng is one of the number one herbs sent, um, uh, sold all over Asia. Because 
They want to have strength and power. So you take a ginseng plant and it gives vitality, helps build muscle, right? So that's an amazing plant, but you have to be ready to take ginseng. You cannot be, you know, like laying on a couch eating, you know, potato chips and being a couch potato because then the ginseng, the ginseng will overwhelm you. You have to prepare your body to be able to add the plant of ginseng into your life. If we give a plant like rose, rose helps with people that have broken hearts. That's why when people are sick, we bring them roses. But if you have someone that's ending a relationship that they were not ready to end, or if someone is brokenhearted about a grade on a test or a coworker, drinking a cup of rose tea will help heal the heart. It helps the veins of the heart. It helps the vitality of the heart in a physical sense. And in a spiritual sense, it will help the heart. Lavender is another plant besides an essential oil. You can take it in tea form or tincture. And they say that lavender is for stuck sadness. Like you lost your job. You know, you're not going back there, but you can't get over it. You need to move on. A relationship ended. You had to leave your house and you're stuck on the sensation inside your body of wanting the reality to not be like it is. Drinking lavender tea will help your soul transition into its next step. So as an herbalist, yeah, we use plants all the time to help with that soul. I just have did two more questions. And, and I, 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 was, I was asking about, I thought something that you talked about, another thing you talked about on coast was cleavers. I've never heard of this. Like, what, can you talk about cleavers and like what it can do? I think you said it can help the lymphatic system. Yeah. So cleavers. So it was very interesting because what we're not allowed to talk about was very interesting. So we were, you know, in our homes for a very long period of time, we were locked down. And when I finally went out and took a walk, I saw more cleavers growing in my area than in the over 30 years that I lived here. And I usually lie about my age, right? So I was surprised. There was cleavers growing up the, 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 the fence at the local school. It was on people's lawns. It was in people's backyards. It was amazing. I was like, oh my gosh. So cleavers does help with fluid in the ears, your lymphatic system, if you get sinus infections in the winter, if you've been a little lazy, not going to the gym enough, cleavers helps push things through the lymphatic system. The lymphatic system is how we cleanse our body and then reboot our system. Cleavers is wonderful. It's safe for kids. Of course, ask your doctors. Geriatric, ask your doctors. Middle age, 20s, 30s, cleavers is an amazing herb. You can take that in tea. You can make it into an iced tea or you can take it in tincture form. I love cleavers. That's amazing. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you about was um, uh, uh, medicinal mushrooms. Now, I, I I have some experience in this because I uh, I use reishi and I've used a, a medicinal mushroom blend before. Um, it, it seems to... Uh, have some really good effects on the immune system. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, and folks, we're talking about medicinal mushrooms, not magical mushrooms. That's another yes. show, right? Yes. So yes. here we go. So I happen to have some reishi right here. There you go. And I always joke when I do TV shows, you know, this reishi is this big thing growing out the side of a tree. And I always wonder 
what person like looked up at this growth of a tree and say, wow, I think that's going to heal us, right? Because here I've got some chaga, which is also a pretty ugly thing. Like, oh my gosh, let's eat this chaga. But medicinal mushrooms are wonderful. They're newer to the States. They've been used in China for generations. The rich folk used to be able to indulge in medicinal mushrooms. These mushrooms I really like in capsule form or um, tincture form. And it's wonderful. I mean, if anybody's traveling, you know, you're going here, you're going there, you're traveling for business or you're traveling for pleasure, taking some medicinal mushrooms with you will help as you're changing from one climate to the next and one, you know, time zone to the next. Um, if you have kids that are picking up everything in school, um, medicinal mushrooms are great for them. And I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of medicinal mushrooms. I love chaga, reishi, turkey tail, cordyceps. Um, these are just words that people should familiarize themselves with. There's also maitake and shiitake, right? Maitake, shiitake, exactly. Now, here's one thing I heard, and I know we're not allowed to diagnose anything because we're not allowed to give advice, but I did this research on my own and I heard that Rishi has something in it called beta glucans. And supposedly those beta glucans can help people that have cancer issues. Now I can't prove this. So I'm not going to say that for anybody to go do this, but I just wanted to get your input on that. And that's the last question I have, because I think that's a good place to go with that. Right. So, you know, I want to tell you something very interesting and I want to show everybody behind me is all these different herbs. I have hundreds of herbs behind me and I mix them together. So most of my clients have anywhere from two to eight herbs because again, people are complicated. And I always tell my clients, why do you need a couple herbs in a mix? Because it's like a jazz band. I mean, the saxophone is great on its own, but mix it with a little bit of keyboard and wow, put a little bit of trombone in there and you've got this amazing musical entourage. So it's the same thing with herbs. They work in this symbiotic way. So it was very interesting. I was listening to this MD who um, lectures. She's also a master herbalist like myself. And she said, we need to know what we can treat with herbs and what we cannot yet treat with herbs sinus infections, allergies, emotional, easy, joint pain, muscle pain, stomach indigestion, constipation, easy. But we have not yet found the cure for cancer. And she as an MD said, I want all herbalists to know, we have not in a, in a clinical study shown that we have herbs that have anti-cancer properties. Now, we know that almonds have some arsenic in it and it was all over the news oh my gosh almonds have arsenic in it now no one should be eating arsenic obviously youtube out there we're not saying that but studies have found that when you have minute amounts of arsenic in your body don't go out and give it to your friends like in an almond it can help kill cancer cells so we have cancer cells in our bodies. The question is, does it actualize, proliferate, and take over? So I can't cure cancer, but I can definitely share with people whose family, going back to the very beginning, the DNA, genetic, the miasm that you've been brought into this world with, 
we can then give you plants that can help build the immune system to try to prevent those cells from taking over your body. But once someone has full-blown cancer, you should not be working solely with an herbalist. You should be working with an oncologist. And where herbal medicine shines is preventing you from having all those side effects from the medications that allopathic doctors will give you. And that's an important thing to know. So that's basically going back to this. So the, the whole thing with the beta-glucans curing cancer, that's not, that's not anywhere near right, right? That's, that's, I mean, but can, can, do you know if it can have any effect on this? Do we know if it can have any effect on the cells or is, it's just not proven, huh? I'd, I'd have to look and see what the data is. So yeah. we do have a lot more data and the NIH has a whole page on their website on botanical medicine. And there are many more double-blind clinical studies on botanical medicine than people think. But again, think about this. If I grow lemon balm, which is antiviral, helps with anxiety and stress, phenomenal for kids, phenomenal for adults. It's in the mint family. It's called Melissa. It's a great plant. Like if you could buy seeds for $3 and you could grow it in your windowsill, who then is going to take $3 million and do a clinical double-blind study on, on, on lemon balm? Who's going to spend that kind of money? Herbalists yeah. don't have that kind of money. Do you understand what I'm saying? Pharmaceutical companies, I mean, if you can grow it, and I can give you a clipping of my lemon balm, I could go to every single one of your audience members, if they want to be in touch with me, and come visit me. We could give them all clips of lemon balm, right? They could all go grow it even if they don't have a lawn, just on a pot on their windowsill. So a lot of plants have not been studied yet because there's nobody that's going to make a lot of money out of it. And that's the sad truth. That's sad. It is, yeah. Well, um, it, this has been amazing. Thank, this is so, such a great learning experience. Um, if people want your services, if they want to get your book, like how can people find you? And thank you so much. And uh, anything you want to promote, you know, yeah, Rob, thank you so much. So again, here's my book, Moodtopia, and it's available on Amazon and at a lot of your local bookstores and any other book um, distributors that you like. You can also follow me on Instagram, which is Sarahana S. It's Sarah without an H, S-A-R-A-C-H-A-N-A-S. And on Instagram, I try weekly a couple times a week to put up little 30 second or one minute blurbs about plants so people can start to be familiar with how they work, what they're there for, how you can grow them, how you can use them. Because herbalist's goal is to really empower people to be able to um, heal themselves. Like, like we want to introduce you to the plants and we want to educate you on how to use them yourselves. You can visit my website, which is moodtopiabook.com or sarahana.com and you can always reach out to me and email me through my website and myself or my staff will get back to almost every single email that we receive we really work hard at that that's awesome and also just to let you know if you want to email me i do have monthly workshops um this month coming up is on blood typing why it's important, what it means for us. And then I have monthly workshops on colds and flus, emotional health. And in my hour workshops, we really learn how to use these plants, how to know they're safe, 
where to buy them, how to use them. It's really exciting. Well, thank you very much again. And this has been amazing. This is such a great thank learning you. experience. Thank you. Have a